0: Money FM 89.3. The best of the afternoon update.
1: Money in the Market
0: on Money FM
1: 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Willie King. Most Asia-Pacific stocks fell as concerns over a Chinese economic slowdown kept sentiment down. while Japanese stocks fell as the Bank of Japan is considering a potential pivot of its current monetary policy. Meanwhile, soaring global markets are also awaiting US jobs data to check when the Federal Reserve could begin cutting rates. What would this mean for investors? How would a potential rate cut in 2024 impact Asian markets? And how should investors position their portfolios. Joining us on the line today as we unpack all of this is Homin Lee, Senior Macro Strategist at Lombard Odia. Hi, Homin. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Willie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to come on the show. I want to first kick off with global markets. I mean, recently you have seen, right, you have a strong US market rally. Investors and central banks across the world are closely watching for the Fed to cut Interest rates. Now, in your 2024 investment strategy report for private clients, I just want to know what are some of the economic conditions that will continue into 2024 that will move markets? Well,
0: we think at the global level, the fundamentals are not going to be drastically different this year, even though at the country level, the stories. Could vary quite a bit. So at the global level, we see growth, you know, roughly about the same as this year, but with uh, substantially lower inflation in terms of annual average and uh, slight uh, softening in the labor market. So these conditions could definitely start triggering some conversation about a shift in monetary policy. And if you are right in this view, then certainly some adjustments make sense. So that's still going to be the major story for this year. But if you think about the market chatter about six to 12 months ago, you know, when we still worried about inflation and, you know, interest rates could, you know, potentially rising further. That was the chat six to 12 months ago had completely changed. And Mm. uh, from investors perspective, that's a more manageable environment, we would argue. You know, investing is not going to be as disorienting, you know, hopefully 2024, you know, compared to 2022 or 2023.
1: Mm, And, you know, following up from what you have mentioned, investing is not going to be as disorienting. At the same time, there are also concerns that a recession may seem to be dying down now. I mean, looking at what you have just mentioned, is the U.S. economy set to avoid a recession here?
0: So we acknowledge that the prospect for soft lending has improved quite a bit in the U.S., just on the basis of data that have been released in the past few months where you know, that indicate you know, consumers are doing OK, but the labor market is now basically softening from what was once incredibly tight condition. So, you know, that prospect has improved, but uh, we'll still be somewhat cautious in terms of the first half uh, growth outcome for the U.S. next year, because we're beginning to see the possibility of maybe, you know, marginal, you know, more financially constrained households and businesses, you know, begin to see the impact of all the tightening that has been done so far. We acknowledge that the prospect for soft lending has improved, but it's possible that you know, we still get a you know, weakening in the labour market. That's basically on the borderline of a mild recession in the US. We still have to watch out for that. And certainly, this is the reason why Fed will have to start cutting in the second half of the next year.
1: Yeah, and speaking about the Fed cutting rates, how soon do you see this impending interest rate cut coming? And do you think that there could be multiple rate cuts here?
0: So we're pretty convinced that there will be multiple rate cuts in 2024. We've been fairly adamant in our forecast about the rate cuts starting in the second half of next year, because we think, you know, from the Fed's perspective, it's important for them not just to bring the inflation closer to the 2% target, but also keep it that way going forward. And because there are some uncertainties about the financial health of households, you could easily imagine a situation where the recent positive recent falls in energy prices and, you know, kind of targeted supply-side shock could actually lead to a stronger condition they expected. And, you know, they could, again, invite worries about inflation going forward. So it makes sense for them to keep the rates at a restricted level, which the current levels, until maybe mid-2024. And once the data clearly suggests that this inflation is progressing further, they could start cutting. Now, the market pricing is quite aggressive in our view. They're currently expecting about five rate cuts, starting in the first quarter. Maybe that's a little too much, and it's the one of the reasons why we're relatively neutral on risky assets heading into 2024.
1: Mm, and speaking of five potential rate cuts next year, I mean, if we see from last year where you have the surprise increase in interest rates, this year, you know, how will these potential rate cuts, which I've just mentioned, impact markets? Or Do you think markets have already priced all these rate cuts in?
0: So, an argument could be made that they have priced too much at this juncture. So, maybe, you know, we will be experiencing a period of kind of, you know, calibration over that prospect because, you know, from our perspective, you know, five rate cuts might be a little excessive. Mm. And in fact, we actually got, you know, for instance, you know, Chair Powell from US Federal Reserve seem to be trying to kind of pushing back a bit against development a bit in his speech last week in Atlanta. So in the very near term, actually, you know, the aggressive pricing in the market is a bit of risk that you need to deal with. But, you know, looking over the long-term horizon, the policy regime has shifted, right? We're no longer dealing with rapid hikes in rates we're talking about great cuts as the next move and again from the investor's perspective that makes the market environment a little more manageable and there is a prospect of maybe diversified portfolios delivering better returns because so far it's been a story of equities and bonds falling together rising together but now that, you know, we could potentially get the, you know, maturation of economic cycle in the U.S. and elsewhere, you could actually see a more meaningful diversifying behavior between the two asset classes. And, you know, from investors perspective, that's something nice to have. So at the start of the new year, what we are proposing to our clients is basically, you know, start with a reasonably diversified global multi-asset portfolio with risk levels, mostly neutral within that portfolio. And you look for that opportunity, tactical opportunities along the way. And keep in mind that 2024 will be a year of many geopolitical risks and election events, including that in the US. So that might be a kind of more regional way to start the new year.
1: Yeah, I think it's very interesting here, Homin, like you have mentioned, and I want to come to that later on how on um, balancing portfolios, but I just want to just take a step back here. I mean, Talking about economic cycles and policy regime shift, on one hand, you have the Bank of Japan changing its monetary policy stance, while China at the same time is still pretty much divergent from the rest of the world in terms of their monetary policy. Now, I just want to ask, in terms of Asia, what about the terms of economic growth in the region here? Can we see growth in Japan and in China come 2024?
0: So for major economies in Asia, you know, we are still relatively positive. On Japan's uh, economic outcomes, even though growth will slow down from this year's uh, pretty strong level to something like one percent next year, which will be slightly above consensus expectation, by the way. So, and we do expect wage growth to be quite decent and inflation, you know, to average roughly about two percent next year. Mm. And those outcomes, in our view, will be still relatively positive for Japan. And you know, it makes sense for Bank of Japan to consider an end to you know negative interest rate that at some point next year. We're actually pinning down April as the timing. For that so japan you know both cyclically and you know, structurally it's a good market to kind of focus on china you're absolutely right you know the policymakers are trying to boost the economy now they're doing that with a bunch of constraints for instance they think is trying to keep the currency stable maybe that goes against the reflationary efforts because you're talking about an economy where inflation is actually close to zero percent i think it's slightly negative the latest report so you know So far, all the pro-growth measures that are put forward by Beijing really have not convinced the markets yet, it seems. You know, maybe that could change that in the upcoming policy meetings, but we are conservatively assuming that there will be some deceleration in growth next year to 4.7%. And finally, India, you know, the latest state assembly election suggests that we'll get a policy continuity, and we do expect capex activities to be pretty strong. So we're still expecting a mid-6% above, you know, consensus growth next year. So it's going to be a mixed bag, you know, if you think about the country experiences, but the overall region experience, we think stable enough outcome, but probably slightly better outcome for South Asia, including India going forward.
1: Mm, You have got a good grip on the macro outlook here. And with this economic backdrop, I mean, Homin, what are you telling your clients on how they should balance their multi-asset portfolios here? I mean, you have seen recently where the market is starting to pile back capital back into the bond market as well.
0: So we have experienced quite a strong rally in past few weeks. So that kind of, you know, fragile sentiment after the summer, now we have mostly recovered from that. But that process also, you know, limits the upside potential for risky assets going forward. So as I said, within the diversified multi-asset portfolios, are more or less neutral on equities. We're slightly still positive on fixed income because we're still dealing with a year when the rate cuts will start. And it's generally a good idea to have that asset. And keep in mind that, you know, the market's mantra has really shifted from there is no alternative to equities to there are many alternatives to equities, right? Mm. Uh, Because the other asset classes definitely deliver high returns compared to, say, the popular U.S. market. So the bottom line is we think it's okay to have a diversified portfolio with maybe a slight tilt to a fixed income assets. And uh, we do think the slowing growth and slowing inflation will be supported for that kind of positioning. And, you know, if you look at the equity market volatility index, it's about 13% for U.S. S&P 500. There will be some periods next year for sure, at least in our view, that the volatility index will actually spike due to maybe geopolitical risk or election risk. These will be opportunities where you could consider tactically, you know, to increase risk, gap, risk allocation within your portfolio. So that's kind of our game plan as we start the new year. All
1: right. We have been speaking to Homin Lee, senior macro strategist at Lombard Odier. Thank you so much for your insights, Homin. Thank you, really. Stay with Money FM 89.3.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg.